I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to the Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. When I began my first year of college, I had no intention of becoming the most popular girl on campus, or even befriending the most popular girl on campus, the one who was a member of every club, knew every student, attended every party. But when I realized the most popular girl on campus came in the form of a small, bubbly, pink-loving, and quite fabulous young woman with locks of curly blonde hair, strutting around Emerson College looking like a seasoned senior in only our second week there, I was intrigued. I first thought of Carly Nahon as an acquaintance, as I only spent quality time with her during our shared time at the gym off campus. But soon I realized that Carly had an incredible amount of layers, and we created a bond outside of our college setting. Each time I returned to Boston to visit my old friends, I made a point to catch up with Carly. And every time I saw her, it, it, and every time I saw her, it was as if no time had passed, even though Carly seemed to be the busiest person I had ever known. After a shift in attitude during her sophomore year, when she realized she needed to put herself first, she abdicated her most popular throne, changing her outlook on surface level friendships, gaining perspective on health and wellness, and finding a true and great love in her boyfriend, Ethan. She may now live a quieter life in Los Angeles, but she is no less of a leader than when she was holding court at a dorm room get together in Boston. Her small but mighty demeanor is evident in her work as well, as she is just as incredible an actor as she is a woman, picking up successfully in her 20s, where she left off when she was a working child actor. The truth is, we can all learn something from this queen bee. She continually asks herself the deep questions, yet finds comfort in understanding the answers if and when they appear. It is no surprise that we will all know Carly Nahon one day, just as well as she knows us. Hi, Carly. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Settling. <laughs> so, uh, where are we? Okay, we're in, like, exactly, exactly? Yeah. Okay, we're in my apartment, my home goods, Marshalls, dollar store, decorated studio in LA. And it's beautiful and pink and gray. Yes. Everything is white and gray, and then I added little hints of pink. So I like the contemporary, but you got to keep the bubblegum pink. So I was thinking back to when we first met. I believe it was orientation week, but I had seen you around campus for like the whole week with our friend Jack Dwyer, just like the two of you around all the time. And I was like, who are those kids? I want to be friends with them. And at an orientation dance at the W Hotel, I left my roommates because I saw the two of you in the hallway just like holding court and I was like excuse me roommates I have to go deal with something and I went up to you (laughs) I went up to Jack really and I said hi I don't like know if you know me I'm Allegra I'm in the performing arts program with you um I don't like I don't know if you know this yet but like we're gonna be friends that's literally what I said which is so out of character for me but I I literally was like we're gonna be friends and 
he was like, who the hell, like, who the fuck do you think you are? And you were like, oh my gosh, hey. Were we like at your suite? Well, the next night, so I was like, okay, I guess I like completely put my foot in my mouth. But then the next night was the night that we, (laughs) you were in some people and someone was playing guitar and was really creepy. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah. And then you called Jack because you were like, I need help in the suite, whatever. Right. And I, and then like 10 minutes later, the entire musical theater program of Emerson college came strutting through my door and I was like, this is amazing. Okay. So that was probably because I knew Alicia from Cherubs. Right. And so I didn't know, like, I was like, I need to go to college knowing one person. Mm -hmm. So I instantly was like, as soon as she was like, Emerson, I was like, let's room together. Um, And then when she made a friend, I was always with her because she's the only person I knew. I mean, if I was alone, I'd be like lost in a pool and would probably drown. So thankful for her. And she introduced me to Colin and then Luke, like my first day. And then Jack, and then Jack and I were like, mm, let's sing Heather's, let's sing all these songs. And I was like, here we go. I'm like right in my place. And they, we all, as that first week, we all traveled in a pack, I think. Yeah, definitely. You guys like all traveled in like a single file line. Yeah. With you and Jack at the front. It was a horrible, but it was also like comforting. It was so cool. I would like watch you from my window and be like, that's them, you guys. And I would tell my roommates, like, I'd be like, you guys, that's the literally them. Yeah, I'm sure. And Jack had a multicolored like neon backpack. Yes, and also Nike shorts. <laughs> because that same night he got made fun of by someone from like the athletic team, one of the athletic teams. <laughs> of course. And I was like, I will never speak, hook up, or acknowledge your existence. So. Ew. That's so annoying. Um, But yeah, that was my first time really meeting you. And then we kind of didn't... We would see each other from time to time, but we weren't really close friends until probably my second or second semester freshman year. When we would go to Equinox. Yeah. 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 We would go work out together and eat salads at Equinox. And then... um, Yeah, and then we kind of just were... Because you and Jack kind of had like a short stint of the friendship that like dipped a little bit and Correct. that's when I and came in. And everyone on campus knew about yeah. it. And we laugh about it today. Yeah, and that's when I came in to Jack's world and then when that gap closed between the two of you, then we all kind of became friends. Yeah, the three of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the story of us. But now you're living in LA. You're from Memphis. Yeah. Now you're living in LA and you are an actor and... I think a, a great singer. Oi. I don't think so. Oh, I do. Um, and just a creative in a lot of ways. Um, but you've been an actor since you were really young. Um, and you've worked in the business since you were a child. Mostly film, really. Well, no, theater too. Yeah, a lot of theater. And when I was really, really young, I did a lot of voiceover in New York. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, was that initially your decision, or did someone else, did your parents see you and just say, oh, this is what she is meant to be doing? Like, how did that all come about? So my, it's funny, because my mother has stage fright, um, but she did children's theater when she was really young, and my dad was an actor for a large portion of his life as well, so I, I know I get it a little bit from both sides, even though my mom can be, like, a little shy, and, like, my dad as well now too, but I, my grandmother designed tennis clothes 
And so as a child, I modeled for the catalog. It was just easy, you know, like it's children's clothes and I was a kid. So yeah. obviously they're going to put me and my brother in it. And uh, we went to New York and I don't remember if someone else spotted me or something, but they, I, I was like a funny kid. I had a different look. My hair was different, obviously. And I went and did a bunch of, I started doing voiceover. And then I had a big personality and they, CESD sent me off for the film Signs, the Mel Gibson film. And it was a little bit of a tough story um, because right before my, uh, my audition, a little boy had an allergic reaction to peanuts. They offered it to him after his, his audition. They didn't know he was allergic. They, an ambulance came. Everyone flew out of the audition. So it was like, didn't know what had happened, anything. And then all my mom has told me since that day is they called and it was, you know, Abigail Breslin got the part. But they said, whatever your child is doing, she needs to keep doing because there's a spark or something. And so my parents were also on the board of our professional theater back home because my grandfather was big into theater and going to New York to see shows. So, I mean, I saw Aida three to- uh, nine times at the age of three oh on Broadway. So that's crazy. Like if I saw Adam Pascal and I was like, I am the three-year-old that you hung out with nine times. would be like, ah, that was my childhood. So it's like different. We weren't like the beach family. We were like, let's go to New York and see shows. So it was always like in my blood and then I went, my parents sent me to the summer conservatory at the professional theater and I was like, oh my God, Peter Pan auditions are the next day. So I went to the auditions and I was the loudest one. No one else knew the dances. So I was like, eh, it's fun. And ever since that audition, I went back to back for like, I want to say nine, but it might be 11 shows. So whenever I was running a show I would start rehearsals for the next like all of middle and high school I missed like a month of school for the matinees like and that just literally became my life and it was always my choice I never had stage mom stage dad my mom would drop me off usually she wouldn't stay and even as a kid um you know when my parents were married they're divorced now they you know carry my stroller up all those narrow flights of stairs in New York and they would just wait in the corner. You know, my mom wasn't, like, fixing my hair or anything. I just went in as is. And that's been the best part, I think. Mm-hmm. I would be a little tainted if it was different because I know that situation from people I know. Right. And it's obviously affected and it's been different. What did being so young and being on set or being on stage teach you about the profession, your art, as you are now, maybe as an adult, um, who did you look up to on those sets or on those stages? Yeah, so I really was like a mimicker. Like when I saw someone do something and I liked them, I was like, I, w- I want to be like them, so I'm going to start acting like them. And the people that I looked up, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I don't know how it happened. You know, some people look up to people that end up having bad behavior, but I just had such great role models. I was you know, always quiet and well-behaved and never got in trouble at school. Um, yeah, so it, it taught me to grow up very fast. I mean, I look 15 and I'm 22, but when I was, like, in fourth grade, I'd be having a conversation with 
one of the 30 to 40 year old actors like we were the same age and on the same page so yeah I, I matured very fast from being around that environment so young I think and it also taught me like great behavior I think because it taught me to be so grounded. I had to balance, like, my homework needs to be done by 6 because I have rehearsal 6 to 11, and I have this test tomorrow. So I need to study during the 10-minute rehearsal break. Um, and it, it was – everyone around me was always encouraging and setting such a great example, like, oh, let me help you with these vocabulary words. And it was it was, like, a comforting and – motivating environment I always had great people to look up to I'm, I'm lucky did you ever feel like you missed out on certain things that other kids in school were doing because of what you were doing oh, after definitely. school or during school 150% um, and like I look back on it now and I'm like if I wouldn't have taken the risk of doing what I loved what would I be doing now because I always had a passion and I always had something that I was you know always striving towards and some not that it's a bad thing, but there's some kids in school who were like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I'll probably just go into business or be an English major. And they'd go to the parties every weekend or whatever. I missed prom. Mm-hmm. I missed homecomings. I missed birthday dinners because it was opening night. I mean, opening night always fell on something. It was always like, oh, our opening night conflicts with their opening night and my best friend is in that show. Or like prom so I ended up getting a dress for prom this was the biggest one and I showed up to prom for the last five minutes they were cleaning up but I just went and took my picture and I was like I made it but like now looking back I'm like well also bullies in high school so I feel like I didn't miss out on much because I was like if I would have gone who knows what would have happened whereas I was safe and I was doing what I loved and I had a like it was a great performance great audience and I could not have asked for anything, I think, better for me. Mm-hmm. So, Was there anything that you maybe wanted to do differently in school? Like, did you think that maybe since your career had kind of had some sort of kickstart because you started so young that maybe you would study something else in school? Study, like... Something besides acting? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't think so. There was the Michelangelo project at our school that was like very design, it was very like art, art based, like drawing art, all the painting and sculptures, and I was never good at that. But I always admired everyone else, and I was like, hmm, maybe in a different life, I know I'd be doing art, but maybe it's a different kind of art. But I I never really got into that program, and I also wish we had a speech and debate program, because I would have done that. I loved public speaking, I was class president for two, three years, so I, I liked, doing other forms of art that wasn't theater. It just, our theater program conflicted with sports, so that was never an option. You don't think that in college that you might have done something else? That, okay. I got involved with our broadcasting program thinking, I'm gonna let acting go, this is just a hobby because who makes a life out of this? You know, that's what you're taught and that's kind of the stigma in, I guess, all of our society is like, oh, you, you, you wait tables and you just wait for a job. And that's what everyone says. And it's like, oh, you're going to L.A. What restaurant are you going to work at? That kind of thing. So, mm, lost my place. 
What was I saying? You were saying um, broadcasting. You were yes. Exploding. So I did Lynx Live and I was like the head anchor. And I was like, I'm just going to go into broadcast journalism. But I knew I didn't have enough experience on my resume to get into Emerson for that, which it turns out I did. But I was like, oh, I'm really good at acting. So let me just get accepted for acting. And then I'll also dub, uh, double major in broadcast journalism. Hmm. And that, within like the first six months of college, did not work out. What did being in college teach you about being an artist? Um, Because you were in the acting program at Emerson, the BA, theater and performance. Just oh, BA acting. I'm like the last one. Oh, got it. Um, Yeah. So, what did school kind of teach you about that? And what has your early twenties? taught you about being an artist especially most recently because you kind of like just graduated from school yeah so I ended up graduating early a semester early Emerson and just be I've only been here since January has definitely taught me that you like have to have down like you have to fall down because when you're up you're not going to realize you know it's like you have to have bad days so that when your days are really great, you're like, this day's really great because I can compare it to this day that was bad. But in anything you do, you're going to use the experiences from the bad. So, like, I'm literally just trying to live in my 20s right now and enjoy my 20s. Like, you only have it once. And, like, I, I just started working at a restaurant. have never worked in a restaurant in my life. But I'm like, I want that experience. I want the experience of the annoying customers. I want the experience of what it's like to work with a team and not by myself in a clothing shop for two and a half years at Equinox. Right. I want to just gather as many experiences as I can so I can use them in my work because I think it's, I think that's so important. And Emerson, I think Emerson taught me, hmm, there were a lot of ups and downs, but it's like, it's like that same thing. Like if you don't have those downs, you're just, it's almost like being like a privileged white kid. Like you're not going to realize what you have. Mm-hmm. You have to realize what you have when something goes wrong. Totally. Yeah. Um, so when I first met you and also throughout, I think, like the first year of college, um, you knew everybody. I th- Like, to me, I was You're like, right. you knew literally everyone <laughs> on the campus. Um, you were like the school mascot. Like, I feel like everyone was like, oh, yeah, Carly Nahan, like we know her. Mm-hmm. Um but then a couple years later, when I came back to Emerson to visit or whatever, you, I feel like you kind of changed a little bit in just kind of, you weren't really living very close by to campus. Were you? Not really. Were you my living first, near Berkeley? My first apartment? Yeah. Eastie with Alicia and Colin. Right. Right. So I still had like. Yeah, you still people. had like the connection to it. Yeah. But like you definitely weren't you just didn't seem so rah rah about school. Yeah, like knowing everybody and being right. at everything. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, have you always approached new environments in the way of I'm gonna know everyone and I'm gonna connect people with other people? Like, is that something that you approach when it's a new environment or was it just specific to college? Um, and also, like, what was college like for you? Why was there a huge change in that? Okay. I think that I, I actually do tend to 
approach new environments the same way. I mean, like, I'm just thinking about moving here and, you know, there's someone in the elevator and I'm like, oh, like, your food looks good. Blah, blah, blah. Like, meeting people in my building or, like, going to Equinox. I want to know the instructors. I want to know everyone in my class. I feel more comfortable when I know people so that, I don't know, for example, if I do something stupid, like drop a weight on my foot, it's not like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like some stranger has to go tell the front desk. It's like, oh, Susan, I just freaking dropped a 10 pound weight on my, you know, like some stuff like that. But I also just feel more comfortable and more myself. Yeah. It's like hard for me, like example, Equinox, like going and working out on the floor and I don't know anyone. And I'm like, oh no, they're judging me. Whereas I feel like if we're on like an acquaintance friend level, I don't feel as judged. Um, the only thing that I ha- feel like since I've moved here, I've stuck to myself is this acting class that I've been doing. I'm like very much to myself. I don't feel like I relate to a lot of the people, but you're completely right about Emerson. I knew every single human being that walked through the door, the dining hall, anywhere you were, if you were on Boylston, I would just stand on the sidewalk and be like hi Joe hi Schmo like every single person and it wasn't that it was exhausting I loved Emerson the first year because it's like a it's like a relationship you're in the honeymoon phase your first year and I loved my teachers and I was so exhausted from crying in every acting class but like I still loved it and like you don't I don't think you like as a human you don't realize like how toxic that can be like at a small school mm-hmm. because once you know everyone and something comes out about you everyone knows that one thing about you regardless if it's good or bad like oh she got this part everyone knows but it could be bad like oh um Carly's like super depressed not that I I mean yeah I, I'll get to that point in a second um so there was I feel like there was a change when I realized I was like sitting in bed one night and I was like who are my friends like you know all of these people but it's like when something is going terribly wrong in your life who do you go to and I had a couple of people but I was like why am I worrying about hi how are you hi how are you and like nothing more everything was surface level Mm -hmm. and I was like this is great but like what's gonna happen when I graduate these people already have their like core people and I don't I don't have those people so I kind of started to slow down a little and realized I need to come first I always put other people in like before me and it was like hey let's go to this party I really want to go and I was like oh you want to go okay I'll go and like I wasn't really a big drinker and I was like okay I'll just like stand here but you want to go and I want to make you happy and I really like I just came to the realization that, like, I need to make myself happy. And so I just kind of stopped going to parties. That's not what I wanted to be doing. I'd rather go to bed early, wake up so rested, go work out, care for myself. And in the long run, I'll be happier. So then when you came back to Emerson, I I think the first time you visited, I had just gone to the nutritionist. So I like fell in this slump of, well, it was a lot of it was my birth control, but like I went to the other end of the spectrum where I would like have cookies under my bed and be like, well, I'm fat and ugly anyway. And like everyone already has friends and like 
boyfriends at Emerson or whatever. So I'll just eat the rest of the box. And I got in that slump for a really long time until winter break of sophomore year. And my mom said, there's a nutritionist at Emerson and it's free. And I think that when you resolve your relationship with food, it's going to resolve your relationship with yourself and everything else. So I went to the nutritionist like the second week back from winter break. And that day changed my life. Like I've lost 35 pounds since that day. have never gone on a diet and I am so consumed with myself. I I'm like that, like in that nature of caring about myself, I'm the happiest I've been because I realize like you don't need to know every single person because what are they going to do for you if all they know about you is, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. And that's it. Right. That's all it was. That's all that was. Wow. Okay. Um, we're going to get back to the nutritionist thing in a sec. Great. But um, – you also always have – you've had a bubbly personality pretty much ever since I've known you. And I yeah. think that that is not fake at all. I think that's a huge part of who you oh, are. I generally just love people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what do we not see when you're alone? Like what is there that is – I guess is there a part of you – I mean there's a part of everybody that's like when we're alone, we're very different than when we are with people. Oh, yeah. But um, – I guess what do we not see about you that you think would be surprising to people in terms of your personality or who you are? Sure, yeah. I'm definitely a very scared person. I never sleep really with all the lights off. Hmm. I've, like ever since I was little, I've always been scared to be home alone, to be home alone at night. So like when I came here and lived alone, I was like, I can't live alone. That's why I was like searching for a roommate. But then I was like, you know what? I need to grow up. Nothing's going to happen to me. So when I'm alone, I am always like, I turn the TV on. I'm always doing something until I'm exhausted. And then I get in bed and fall asleep within like two to three minutes. According to my Apple Watch. But Oh my God. No, yeah, I am like the most scared person. Interesting. Yes. Does that um, come through in how you relate to people? Like does that ever happen in a social way? As in, I'm scared of Being people. scared? Or having to overcompensate at all with the bubbliness, perhaps? Hmm. I've never really thought about that. I don't think so. I'm very strange. I love the daylight. Like, I could jump building to building and be fine. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not scared of anything else except literally being alone at night. So I understand what you're saying. Like, maybe I overcompensate by you know trying to know a lot of people so I never have to be alone or scared by by yeah being alone and that is like so tough like does loneliness come from being scared at night because you're alone or because you're scared of the dark Hmm. like it could could be both I've never really thought about that I mean, they could be connected or they could be totally different. Right. Hmm. All right. Things to think about. You're from Memphis. Um, what was it like living there and why did you decide to move to L.A.? Um, and how have you found yourself as an artist since moving here? Okay. So, I have a love-hate relationship with Memphis, but it's more of a hate, I think. 
I never really loved growing up there because what was always on my mind is, oh, I wish I was at LaGuardia in New York or, oh, I wish we were, we could live in New York and I would go look up apartments for sale with and be like, Mom, what about this one? And she's like, okay, well, like it was never going to happen. I kind of knew that in the back of my heart, but, you know, that's covered up by when you really want something. There's like that infatuation. Um, but I was really, really, really lucky to have the professional theater, like, basically in my backyard. Like, it was a 15-minute drive, and my best friend's dad is the executive producer, so I was always there. Like, playdates would be there. It was literally my second home. Like, if I wanted to just hang out or go do homework somewhere other than home or have a safe place, that was my safe place. Like, I loved rehearsal more than anything. So all I could think about in school was, oh, my God, I can't wait to get to rehearsal or, like, those kinds of thoughts. Um, the hate, though, is obviously – it's not that it's a competitive town to come from, but – I felt with outside of the theater community a lot of judgment like oi she's going to be an actress uh, that kind of thing so I was always you know like oh no I just love it for now I'm go- I'm going to do something else mm-hmm. I'm always going to do it on the side right until I realized like I can't spend the rest of my life doing something I'm eh about and wishing I was doing something I loved even mm-hmm. if I'm even if I do something I love and I fail miserably at it, when I do get to do it, I'm still doing what I love. So I learned that from my casting internship. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship. I do wish, well, I don't wish. I'm so proud of like where I come from and like my background and how supportive my theater community is. Like Those were my friends and that was my family for sure. And my parents were involved in that family as well. I mean, they were a huge part of, that community and and that was my childhood so yeah I'm thankful and what was the second part of the question after if I love Memphis um LA why did you move here what has it been like so Emerson after that freshman year started to just go downhill I didn't love the people I realized not that they were fake but that there was a general, like, anger cloud over Mm. the city. I feel like everyone's always angry or upset about something or complaining. And I'm like, look at every single one of your lives. Like, even a random person on the subway holding, like, a Whole Foods bag. I'm like, why are you complaining? You're holding a Whole Foods bag with food. Like, none of you have anything really, really pressing to complain about. And the weather took a complete toll on me. I hated winter and I was like I love New York I didn't go to school in in New York because I thought it would be too distracting and I thought about moving to New York but then I was like I need a change of coast and I love I still loved film I still love theater but I knew that I could do both out here and the theater would still be a hobby and not my profession profession whereas in New York theater is more of the profession and I feel like the film work is more of the like oh I do film work here and there when I can because it's more out here Mm -hmm. so yes that is why I moved here and I'm really happy to be here I've had like it's I thought I was settled but I'm really not and I'm learning a lot every single day 
and I'm not settled so I'm fine with like admitting that now it'll take a while is what I'm assuming but overall I'm happy here even like last week I cried seven days in a row twice a day I was miserable but at the end of the day I was like no I'm not gonna leave here no What do you, besides the weather, what do you like about LA? I love the people. I don't care how much work they've had done. They could <laughs> literally look like a Barbie doll that is so shiny. You could like, you could wipe your hand across it and have like a glimmer on your hand. They're so nice. The only thing that I, everyone says that the people here are fake, but I haven't really encountered that. Mm-hmm. I encountered like one or two people, but. I know the people that aren't fake are the is like the Emerson community, because everyone that has reached out to me that I barely knew at college has been like, oh my gosh, um, I heard about this SAG stand-in. Like I know you don't normally do stand-in, but it pays four hundred dollars a day, and I thought of you. You're like the only kid from Emerson I remember who's SAG. It's like there's you are on people's minds and you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. But I, I do I can see where people think that the people here are fake, but I. I'm lucky I just haven't encountered that yet and everyone's happy in Boston it seems as if no one is happy if you like ride the tea and you look at everyone's faces there's gloom or there's anger yeah. I just see anger from that city yeah I also see a lot of racism but that's different <laughs> oh, gosh. but um no the people here are just happy like even if they're fake or they have nothing to do with you they're happy and seeing people like all around you like that like when the majority is like that it kind of motivates you to be like that too like Mm -hmm. obviously that stigma of everyone here is fit whereas in Boston it was like a competition like who's the fittest of them all whereas like here it's like everyone of all shapes and sizes are working out in just a sports bra on their leggings like it it doesn't matter what's in between doesn't matter that there's not a six-pack or whatever Hmm. and that's motivating to me because I'm like oh I can just I can just, like, be myself. I'm more myself here than I am. was in Boston, for sure. Wow. Okay. Um, when you got here, I remember you dyed your hair <laughs> for a Netflix spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, pretty soon. That was, like, really soon after you, after you graduated. The Netflix thing? Mm-hmm. That was, like, the second week of my last semester. But my hair didn't go back until I got here. Got it. I know it's all twisted. Yeah. It might be the Instagram posts. They're all like. I see. Um, but that was like kind of, I don't know. I felt like that was like very cool to have had that kind of, I mean, I don't know if it felt like it was a small dose of success to hold on to, to get you through graduation and through moving here yeah. or maybe just kind of like some little piece of hope or whatever. But, um, because of your experience on film, um, did it seem, I don't know, did it seem like a get for you or did it kind of just seem like, oh, this is just like another job or I don't know, what was it like? Um, it was a really actually tricky audition process. Um, I didn't expect to get anything from it. Um, so my internship from last summer was casting the big roles. And they asked me if I wanted to be an actor. And I was always like, no, no, I want to just do a different side. Maybe um, development or 
casting, blah, blah, blah. And when I would see all these kids coming in from, you know, CAA and WME, and they just weren't getting it. And it's not even that they weren't getting, like, the character breakdown or the lines. They just weren't getting what it means, what this craft means. And I was like, I get it, and I've gotten this my whole life. Like, why am I not going in for this? But I just could not stand up for myself, and I regret it to this day jump of, of leaping over that line of the internship and being like can I just go in and read for L or someone and I I regret it I mean it was a great cast but then I found out that it was filming in Boston and I had interned at the Boston casting agency who was doing the local casting and like called them and I said hey what's what roles are you guys doing I will self-tape here and I will send it to you because I have to find myself on this project no matter what it is so I was determined, like, even if I was, I mean, I don't think I could have been an extra, but, like, SAG, whatever, the smallest role, I was determined to find my way on the project, and that was my one goal. So, when I came home, or, no, when I went back for my last semester, it was a whirlwind. There was so much happening in Boston. I mean, I (laughs) had been called back for three, maybe four different roles for the Netflix thing. Little Women, two callbacks. Like for who? Greta was in the callbacks. No, literally just one of the schoolgirls. That's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's like, and it was crazy I was because- so jealous of you guys because that is, first of all, that's like my favorite movie, the actual movie, I the real movie. Sure. And that entire cast is like all of my favorite people yeah. ever. It was really great. Oh, yeah. God. But they ended up going with an actual like 12-year-old, <laughs> 13-year-old, and they went back to New York for the casting. But while all of this was like juggling with, the Netflix thing so Mm -hmm. it was hard like for availability and also school and my one thing was I was like I will I need a small part because I need to finish school I I knew that if something were to happen and I were to succeed and get one of the bigger roles that can't like was consistently recurring I would have to drop out of school and then I would have to come back to Emerson and I just wanted to finish because my goal was to come out here right in January, right in the new year, before pilot season, episodic season, all of that. Mm-hmm. So that was never a question. And then I kept auditioning, and they were like, no, we don't like her for this. No, we don't like her for this, but she's still really great. And from the beginning, the creator loved me, and he doesn't even remember meeting me when I was at the casting office. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the grapevine, I, th- I think this is still true, but they literally just came up with a character, slapped a name on her, and they were like, there's one role left. And the Boston Boston, um, casting office was like, put Carly there, and he was like, I just don't think she can be there because everyone else in the scene is blonde. And they were like, oh, just let her her just do like a semi-permanent wash in her hair. And they were like, okay, we'll pay for it. Great, Carly's it. And it did, it wasn't a big role. I, it was one episode. And he was like, he told me to my face, he's like, you could potentially come back. I loved the way that you worked. We got along really well. And he, he loved all my audition tapes. He just couldn't place me anywhere. And I, that was the first time I learned, like, when you're a creator and you're creating your own show, you really have a vision of every character you're writing out. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's, like, the girl with the broom. Like, you have a set vision, like, oh, she's wearing red, and um, she's really, really thin, something like that. 
So yeah, but it was an amazing experience. And now I have one TV credit because I, I had all film. I didn't have a TV credit. So I came out here with that one TV credit and it comes out in two months and everyone knows the show and everyone knows the creator. And yeah, I had a name. I, it wasn't like schoolgirl or whatever. My name's Gina. They like see that it's like, oh, here's a credit. Yeah. And I just need a couple more, which is fine. Like I'm so fine with that. Yeah. That's like pretty great that that happened all in this timing. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, and I'm just, like so thankful for it. Gosh. Yeah. Um, would you ever consider directing? Mm, like I, I would. Mm-hmm. I like this. Like, it's not a sense of power. It's like a sense of you have more of a creative say until someone says, oh, "I don't think that my character would do this." The only thing I struggle with is, like, getting my thoughts into, like, complete sentences. Mm-hmm. Like, I have all these things swirling through my head, like, oh, my God, I think it would be so cool if you did this, and, like, and then this happens. But it's so hard to just, like, project that yeah. into, a, like, a coherent thought for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, that's part of, like, being someone super, like, creative. I'm sure you have that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it would, I think it would be really fun. What would be super fun for me is development work like I love reading scripts and being like this is so cool but maybe you need to hmm, delve dive deeper into this character maybe add something in their past I like you know like I love I love the development part of any creative process yeah I was gonna ask you actually because um you've always I feel like I mean, especially in college, I remember you were like on every board, on every club, or like a member of every club, and um, yeah, you just like, because you had so many, because you knew so many people, you were always connecting people with other people, and whatever, Um, so do you think that you could have another, like, that you would be good at the more administrative side of art, like, do you like being in charge, do you think that you could be in casting, maybe? I like I like being in charge. That's always been a thing. Like class president, and like yeah. I was on boards in high school. I think you asked if I would ever do casting. I think not. I think I've like gone through all these positions and realized like if your heart keeps tugging and saying like, no, you need to do this, which is acting, and like, no, you need to perform. Like, I can't sit behind a camera and be like, oh, this person is fit for it. When I, myself, am like, like, this is almost everyone. I'm sure they'd be like, yeah, but what if there's a part for me? Like, if I am, like, die hard, like, I connect so well to this girl and I understand what she's going through and this is so perfect and up my alley, I don't want to be casting someone who, it's it's hard. Be you. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure everyone would say that. But I don't think I'd be great at casting. I would be great at casting if it's like, oh, give me this script. I'd be like, okay, perfect. Um, we're gonna have Julianne Moore here. She's, I see her here. Blah blah blah. A-listers, I can do that. But if it's like finding talent, there's so much baggage on you to be perfect. I mean, my aunt's a casting director. There's so much pressure. Like you have to pick the right person mm-hmm. because if if it goes wrong and you know the, there's creative differences, sometimes it falls back on you. Right which is, like, hard. Makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, when you get sides, do you have a process of how you dissect them and how you work on them before an audition? Yeah, so I did have a process until yesterday. This woman in my acting class told me that she did not like my process. Oh. So I never instantly go to highlighting the lines because I think as soon as you highlight, you're like, oh, that's the line, let me memorize it, and you're saying it in a certain way, and it instantly becomes the way that you say it every time. Hmm. There's, n- I think there's, there isn't any real authenticity with it but right before I go in the room I'll circle it or highlight it just so I can find my place if that makes sense interesting yeah and I'm also someone if it's theater I never truly write down all my blocking I, I let it be kind of mm, it's like impulse based like oh he said that I'm so angry I'm going over there to tell him how I feel so I'm going to cross downstage. I let it, like it's a flow. Mm-hmm. It's like, this, like, yeah, you're telling a story, but you're, you're physically telling a story on the stage. It's like the more I do it physically, I just learn the lines with it because it should come naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else do I do when I get sides? Yeah, and I don't, I don't rehearse I, too much. I'm not someone who likes to over-rehearse mm-hmm. because you could be rehearsing with someone who's giving you so much and then you go into the casting room and they're like, okay, but tell me why you're ending the relationship today. Why didn't you tell me yesterday? Like, that's such a, that's so heavy and like they're giving you nothing. So I, I usually don't run it with anyone. Maybe Ethan just to get it right one more, one last time. But yeah, it's weird. It's mm-hmm. a weird process and I'm also like a substitution person like I'm taking a class right now that is super imagination based like you're creating these these memories whereas I draw from like oh there's something about a dad no I'm gonna use my dad and some something that happened between us that relates to this situation Mm -hmm. I feel something more whereas a lot of people don't like to bring in their own life because it's exhausting but right it's worth it I love it as long as I've known you, you've always been someone that's very expressive about body confidence and working out and eating well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had a workout show on the Emerson Television right? Station. What was it called? Cardio with Carl's. Cardio with Carl's. And there were like um, headbands, weren't there? Yeah. There were armbands. There's one somewhere. So funny. Um, when did you become so passionate about that? And. What keeps you motivated, especially? I mean, I know that you were talking about how actually how much freedom there is in living here, mm-hmm. of how people are kind of just like in their own world doing their own thing, and everyone of all shapes and sizes is here. Um, but how do you stay motivated and confident in that living here, being in the entertainment business, all of that? All of it. Okay. Well, I will say that I'm like the least professional at being body confident. I don't think there is a professional, but I think every single person, no matter how confident they come off, they're str- like you're always going to struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, like literally yesterday I was like, oh my God, I ate all this. Like, this is horrible. Like, this, what did I just put into my body? But then I, I had to think about like, was I really happy eating it? Yeah. So that's okay. But I, I learned all that through the nutritionist. So... Yeah, so 
I started to see the nutritionist um, the first month of my second semester of my sophomore year, right after winter break. And she never put me on a diet, ever. All she did was tell me little goals, like let's have two servings of vegetables today. But like you can also, I know you've really been wanting this. So fit that in one of the days this week. And so gradually as I I, I used my fitness pal. Mm. So I could see like, oh, I've had a lot of protein today, but I haven't had any fiber. So you kind of learned. She gave you a packet with like what has a lot of fiber, like vegetables and how to pair this with this. And it was like almost taking another class, but it was so worth it. Like I lost weight so slowly. Like it took me, what, two, two years to lose 35 pounds, but I have never gained back a pound. Like I went to New York for last year for our anniversary and I had like three, four bagels in a day. And I, we went home that day and I was like, oh my gosh, I weigh in tomorrow. This is going to be terrible. And I had still lost weight. Like you just have to teach your body I mean, they make Cheez-Its and Chex Mix and cookies for enjoyment. They don't make them to ruin your life. They're there for enjoyment. And yes, there's like a lot of bad things in them if you can't pronounce the name and you don't know what it is. It's probably not great for you, but like it's okay. Just, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect. But I think it came. there came a point where I was like, in high school, I worked out with the boys' football and soccer team, and I was, like, the only girl. But I had to do that because I needed a P.E. credit <laughs> because I wasn't playing a sport. I was mm-hmm. doing theater. And there wasn't a lot of – there was a little pressure at home. My mom was a professional tennis player. She's naturally fit. No matter what she says, she's fit. And so we had a great relationship, mother to, da- mother to daughter, but, like, Food-wise, it started to get a little unhealthy between us. Like, you know, I was so used to whenever I did a show, I would lose weight because you're always going or like quick changes. Like, it's cardio. Like, when you're doing a musical, it's literally cardio. And then I was doing straight shows and, you know, I'd be like, oh, I need like two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I have rehearsal till 11. And it's, I started to get, you know, I... I put bad connotations to food. I was in fourth grade and I was like, no, I'm on a diet and need to eat salad. So I don't want to have too much bread because my mom says too much bread's bad because she doesn't eat too much bread, you know? Which is, okay, I mean, she, had, she obviously it was not intentional. But now, now I'm just like, you have one chance at life. Like you have literally one chance. It doesn't matter how, what size you are or like how big you are. If you're putting things in your body that you're like, I enjoyed that, then you should be okay. I mean, if but if you're putting French fries and you're like, oh my God, I hate myself, and then you do it again the next day, it's like, there's so much hate. Like, have the freaking French fries. That's okay. And enjoy them. And then have something healthy and be like, oh my God, I just had the best strawberries. Like, those were so good. And that was good for you. People just need to have a different relationship and foods need to have different connotations because even if you have like a dark chocolate peanut butter cup which I eat one a day dark chocolate's great for your heart there's there's some benefits and peanut butter great fat you know there's always going to be something good in what we conceive as bad Mm. yeah um what about working out when did you because you've like always been someone that 
liked working out, I feel like. Yes. Since you've met me, yes. But growing up, it wasn't that it was forced, but I felt like I had to do it for my mom, for my dad. Not even, more for my mom because she was such an athletic person. I was like, I didn't outwardly say it, but it was like in my actions that like, ugh, I'm going to this stupid athletic training class for you. And ugh, we're going to Pure Bar. And I'd wear a giant sweat, like, t-shirt and be like, well, my mom wanted me to come, so I'm here. But I didn't love it. So when I started, I tried, I lasted two days on the cross-country team. I just... There was nothing that I, like, loved. And then when I got to college and I joined Equinox, I slowly started to realize, like, oh, my gosh, mom and dad aren't here. I'm working out for me. And then I realized how good I felt afterwards. And even now it's a struggle. Like, last week I was, like, so sad I didn't work out once last week. And I was like, oh, like, what a bummer. But now I just feel so great after. It just, it makes your whole day better. You're like, yes. I did that and I conquered that and now I can conquer anything else. So now I, yeah, I love it. Since you met me, I like love the classes at Equinox. I got super into like the cardio kickbox, whatever. And I started my show and I wanted to teach at Equinox when I moved out here. Mm -hmm. Like I love it. And I think it's such a great like release of any type of emotion. Like some people love yoga. Some people I don't know. What do they do? Bike ride? I love to just work out any any type of workout and cry. <laughs> I don't think crying's a bad thing. So those are like, it's such a great way to like release anything that you're feeling. You're just taken out of the world. It's like theater. Mm-hmm. Like if you take a class at Equinox, it's like for those 45 minutes, nothing else matters. It's like you in the mirror and you're here to push yourself towards whatever you're there for. Yeah. But now I love it. Wow, okay. Um, you uh, told me that it's soon going to be your two-year anniversary with Ethan, who I've only met once, I think. Once. Yeah, I think once. And he works in music. Mm-hmm. How has your relationship added to your artistic view of the world since he's so musical? Um, and... Are there things that you've introduced him to that's made kind of the artistic bond between you stronger? Would you ever collaborate on anything? Would you ever write a Does he write, like, actual songs, too? Um, sometimes. If it's, like, for, like, a school or thing or something. Yeah. I see. Um, he went to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, also, how did you, like, how did you guys meet? Give me the whole... Everything with yeah. Mr. E. Okay, so my best friend, Rachel from Emerson... Rachel. Yes, the best. Um, it was Valentine's Day. I was in the midst of that slump of like, oh, I'm fat and ugly, and I don't want people to see me because everyone's used to seeing this little Barbie girl. She was like, no, come on. We're going to go to my friend's house for Valentine's Day. And the friend's roommate was Ethan. Mm-hmm. And literally he like was walking out of the shower in a towel, and he was like, oh, yo, I'm Ethan. And I was like, hey, I'm Carly. And we just talked about movies for, like, so long. And I was like, no, like, I can't talk about this with... I've never talked about this like this with anyone else. And I'm, I love talking about movies. I love talking about the music in movies. I'm not... I don't know the technical terms for, like, anything within composition. 
but I know like oh my gosh like the music in Spotlight is incredible like like by the end of it I was like on my seat like oh my god oh my god they're finding all these clues about all these priests and he was like oh I haven't seen it so I gave him homework to watch Spotlight and then like literally after the next time we hung out I was like yep this is a done deal he's so easy he was so sweet and polite and like it was like seeing myself it was like hanging out with myself but in another person wow it was like it was weird I don't think I've ever told him that hanging out with myself yeah we're like the same but totally in a social setting totally different um but being with him is like such an adventure because he's on a totally different side of this giant creative artistic table mm-hmm. and I love getting his input and also like we're on this same extreme of like we're in the hardest field it's so hard to get a comp like a job in composition working for a composer or becoming a composer yourself and it's so hard to book like like what less than one percent of actors book in a year that's yeah it's insane but you have to always be working on your on your craft and he he sets that example for me and he tells me about it too. He's like, you know, take an acting class. Do something every day. Go read a script. Go go sit by the fireplace in your building and, and you know, look up, go on IMDb and, like, look up what what's what's been going on because that's what he does. Every day he's looking at, oh, what new gear is coming out to make this easier for me when I'm writing or what what's about to come out, like, who's writing, who, who's writing what and looking for job, like, everything. And he's an inspiration in that way. He's the hardest worker I've ever met in my life, no matter what he says. But yeah, it's almost inspiring, and he always has my back. He's like, you've been out here for two months, Carly. Like, you can't get down on yourself. Like, look at me. I've just had four interviews, and they all said no. Like, it's going to take time. Not everything's going to come so easy like it did for both of us in college and growing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, he's so talented. Everyone wanted him to write at Berkeley, you know? And... That was, like, me growing up. Like, I always got every part I wanted because the pool was so small. And now we're, like, in this giant swimming pool with a ton of different types of fish. But he's he's amazing and always keeps me grounded. And I also learn something new from him every day. And we teach each other things. I mean, we play a... When he lets me, we play a different cast album on our car ride, whether it's, like, to Costco or to the beach or something. He's like, okay... Um, and I'm like, Avenue Q, okay. And I sing every single lyric to every single song, and it's like a learning experience for him because he's like, wow, my girlfriend is like a total musical theater nerd, mm-hmm. even though she's not doing musical theater right now. And then he'll teach me about stuff like, hey, like when you get a piece of music for this musical, like look at this. Like he'll teach me about the harmonic scale, whatever it is. He nerds out too. So we like, but it's so nice to be with someone who's also in this field because yeah. there's always something to talk about that's related or like basically on the same page even if it's not directly the same thing mm-hmm. what was it like the first time you fell in love ever or with E well are they related Honestly, they are related because I was thinking about a different time. But there's, when you're young, there's such a difference between love and infatuation. 
like you think your infatuation is love, but it's not. That's a, I think that's, those are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You know, like being young, I always had a crush on, you know, one of the interns at the theater. And I was like 10 years old and they were like, what, 24? Like I always was like, oh my God, I'm like, I want to impress them at rehearsal and like bring my cool coloring book. You know, that's like infatuation or like in high school, I was like, oh my gosh, this this guy's so cute and he's like, he's not on the football team or like anything, like he's just a normal kid, he's so cute. And you become like obsessed, that's like an infatuation. Same thing with college. You're a freshman and there's a really cute senior and you're like, oh my God, like, and then they start to like you too, but they're about to graduate and you're like, oi, like, I'm obsessed with this person, but like, am I in love with this person? I love this person, but am I in love with this person? Because I can love a lot of people. I have a lot of love for people in general. But I think Ethan's the first person that I've loved, loved, where I'm like, if we're in the middle of the, of a street and I see a car coming and he's walking towards it, I'm going to jump in front of him. Mm-hmm. Like, I would absolutely do anything for him. I'd sacrifice, I'd give him the shirt on my back if there was only one shirt between us and we were homeless or something. Like, I'd give him whatever I have. Yeah. And I think that's what it means to love. So I think he's the first person I have really, truly loved. And know, like, obviously there's fights and there's bickering and all of that. But you know, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm, I'm literally always going to be here for you. Even if you don't want me to be there for you, like, I'm going to be there. Because you want to be. Love it. Now I have some fun questions for you. Okay. What's a sound that you love and a sound that you hate? Well, let's see. Sounds that I hate. Um, Most recently, there's a girl in my acting class who bounces and shakes and is always really nervous. And she'll have the paper and it's like... Or like, she'll like move her chair up against the the blinds or whatever so like things like that when you're in a quiet setting and someone's like smacking or like tapping their foot like those little things I hate I also hate when there's no eraser on your pencil and you scrape it against the paper Uh, horrid (laughs) it's a nightmare (laughs) we'll break that pencil in half okay um but sounds that I do love are I love at night when you're like walking down the street and it's like silent because no one's on the street and it's rained and you hear a car drive by like and it's like over the water and it's like shh. I think that's comforting. Mm. And what else? What other sounds do I love? The sound of when you open a can of tennis balls. Hmm. Oh. I love that small too. Specific. I love that. Super specific. If you could be reincarnated as something, what or who would it be? Hmm. I'll answer it as who and what. If it was a who, I would want to be a DP. Like, I think it would be, yes. I have, like, I I don't have, like, a, a good eye for it. I have, like, somewhat of an eye, like, I think you should be over there. I think you want to see, like, both of their reactions. But I think it would be so cool to be in, like, reincarnated as, like, a genius of that nature. Like, who knows everything. Like, think of the best DP in your opinion. I want to be them. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would be so cool. Because all throughout their life, like, when they're sitting at a restaurant and they're, they're like, hmm, nope, I'm going to sit on this. You know, they, they're just so specific and they, I just love that angle of how they think. And if it was uh, an ob- or a, a thing or what, not a human. I would love to be a dog, but like. A dog? Yeah, I love dogs. Yeah, I'd be a dog. Yeah. Do you drink coffee? I don't. Just drink tea. How do you take your tea? Green tea with a little bit of honey. Sometimes with a little bit of almond milk. But sometimes I just drink it straight. But yeah, I mostly just drink green tea. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having like a really hard time to go- going to bed... I'll eat like two little of those sleepy time gummies and have sleepy time tea. <laughs> sleepy time tea. What's your favorite place in Los Angeles? Hmm. That's a good point. Or a good question. I actually love my apartment. I feel like so safe here. It is like such my like place. Um, but if I could take someone to anywhere that I love, I think it would be, mm, that's tough. Oh, it would just be driving through like the hills. I love a lot, like, I love looking at houses and just like, that's like my favorite thing to do is just driving through all these like n- like beautiful neighborhoods and looking at all like the houses and all their different I don't know all the different architecture like there's so many different vibes for each different house I love I love looking at houses hmm. yeah what's your favorite nickname people call you hmm probably Carl's yeah. everyone calls me Carl's Except Gina now calls me Carlsbad because it's like Carlsbad, California. Huh. Yeah, but I love Carl's with an S or a Z. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my parents call me Car Car. My dad calls me more Car Car more than my mom, but. Car Car Carl's with an S or a Z. Yeah. Well, that's all I got for you. Great. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Hmm. I would say you gotta be psycho in this world psycho does not mean a bad thing it's like not a bad thing I don't think you know like be cute but psycho be cute but psycho is that your mantra? yeah you can't be boring you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's my mantra official Well, she put a stamp on it, everyone. Um, Well, thanks, Carly. Thank you. I hope I didn't talk way too much. No, this was perfect. Okay, amazing. Love ya. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Carly Nahon. She's been such an inspiration to me as I go through my own journey as an artist, 
and her passion for understanding every part of herself is honestly so brave and she's going to do so many incredible things in the future so definitely look out for that name so thank you to my dear friend carly you can check her out on instagram at carly nahon and also on netflix's the society as gina thank you so much for listening and i will see you soon